I just start so now you started recording. Just uh, give a move to the first slides. Okay. Just give a move. Yeah, yeah. Or they can't uh, join automatically? Uh, no, sir. Okay, okay, fine. Slide is not going back one minute. I may. Are you able to hear now? Yes, sir. It was. Clear. It is clear and crisp. Also, the display is also clear. One minute. Sir, no need to explain. Just to give a move back. from first slide. Give a move just. I'm unable to go back. Uh, sorry for the disturbance. Uh, one minute. My slide is not moving. So you can start sharing again. Just uh, click on share and share again. Stop share and again I will start sharing. Okay. Okay, sir. Okay, sir. Are you able to hear? Yes, sir. Okay, for the new participants, I have just started the topic of multiple sclerosis. I have just gone through the various inflammatory demyelinating diseases. And then uh, I just started the multiple sclerosis uh, epidemiology and the pathogenesis. And then um, mechanism. So it's a demyelinating disorder. As I already mentioned in the pathology, there is basically a demyelination, I mean, inflammation, demyelination, and then gliosis. And uh, so the mechanism is demyelination and uh, what happens is uh, as the disease process continues after the demyelination and again you get axonal injury that is uh, neuronal injury and majority of the symptoms of the multiple sclerosis are predominantly because of the axonal injury. Okay. And uh, if you see this slide. This joining uh, is disturbing me a bit. Okay, if you if you see this, slide, sir, you can mention. Sir, you can make me. You can make me host. I'll be adding uh, by the time. Yeah, yeah. One minute. You can... Yeah, I make you. I made you host. Okay. I'll be adding. Yes, sir. I'll be adding. Yes. People, you can continue, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Full screen you do, sir. So, as I already mentioned, uh, Epstein-Barr virus is one of the risk factors for the development of multiple sclerosis. If you see this slide, the top four risk factors are the smoking, Epstein-Barr virus infection, and the vitamin D levels less than 50 millimoles, and the adolescent obesity. And uh, after the adolescent obesity, you you'll all, you again see the CMV infection. And then other infection is infectious mononucleosis. So there are various toxins, infections, and then the vitamin D deficiency, and then smoking. All these are the risk factors. And one more MCQ here I want to tell is uh, regarding the HLA association. HLA-DRB1 is one of the risk factors for the development of multiple sclerosis. Okay. And uh, as you already mentioned in the first slide, that is the four types of multiple sclerosis. Now they proposed a new type of multiple sclerosis that is myelocortical MS. It is characterized by the spinal cord demyelination, subpial cortical demyelination, and absence of cerebral white matter demyelination. So basically in multiple sclerosis, what all you see is the white matter demyelination. This variant of uh, MS, that is myelocortical variant, variant of MS, typically you don't see the absence of, you, you don't see the cerebral white matter demyelination. Instead, you see the spinal cord demyelination and the subpial cortical demyelination. Next, coming to the clinical manifestations. Sir. So the onset of symptoms may be abrupt or insidious and the symptoms may be so severe or so trivial that the patient may not seek medical attention for years. And the important clinical symptoms are the, as I already mentioned, multiple sclerosis. That is sclerosis in the entire white matter tracts. So in the entire white matter tracts, you can see, you can get sclerosis everywhere. And the symptoms like you can get any symptom in the neurology that is weakness, that is motor symptoms, 
sensory symptoms cerebellar symptoms bladder symptoms cognitive symptoms almost every neurological symptoms can be seen with multiple sclerosis what is specific is the the way of presentation if you see the weakness the predominant weakness you see in the multiple sclerosis patient is the human type of weakness and also the exercise induced weakness is characteristic of ms so if you see the clinical vignette the weakness is stating that the patient is having a both in weakness of both upper and lower limbs and it is saying the weakness is increased after the exercise that is exercise induced weakness it is very characteristic of ms and along with the weakness as i already mentioned the human type of weakness so whenever there is a human type of weakness you get spasticity whenever there is a element type of weakness you get plasticity so here because of the predominant human type of weakness you get spasticity and this spasticity is commonly associated with spontaneous and movement induced muscle spasms so if you see the patient he presents with the spasticity and the visible movement induced muscle spasms which is more common in the legs often it is very painful this is the main reason they have interference with the work ambulation and the self care so the motor symptoms predominantly human weakness you along with the weakness you get spasticity and this spasticity is associated with painful spasms and this painful spasms are interfering with the ambulation work and self care next is the optic optic neuritis uh, remember neuro ophthalmological features is very important for all the mcq points so whenever you see in the clinical vignette along with the neurological motor weakness or the sensory complaints and the bladder if you see the optic neuritis sir so optic neuritis that is the patient complains of diminished vision or the diplopia or the decreased color perception so all these secondary to the optic neuritis usually in ms patients you get monocular i mean you only one eye is affected whereas in case of uh, nmo that is another uh, autoimmune inflammatory uh, demyelinating disease that is nmo you get more i mean uh, the involvement of one eye soon they it is rapidly progressed to the another eye so that is a sequential simultaneous bilateral optic neuritis is characteristic of nmosd whereas monocular optic neuritis is generally seen in case of ms this is very very important and coming to the diplopia so in ms patients you get diplopia this is secondary to the ino again this is an important area ino is nothing but internuclear ophthalmoplegia ophthalmoplegia as you already know that is weakness of extraocular muscles this is internuclear that is you get the typically the ino is because of the ipsilateral mlf that is medial longitudinal fasciculus demyelination so whenever the demyelinating plaque affects the mlf that is ipsilateral mlf is is affected you get ino that is internuclear ophthalmoplegia what happens in the internuclear ophthalmoplegia suppose i got an ms and if i get the internuclear ophthalmoplegia i want to see on the right side my right side that is ipsilateral right mlf is affected that is i have a problem in the adduction of my left eye and in the abducting eye i get nystagmus that means if i want to see to the right side my left eye adduction is having difficulty and in my abducting eye that is right eye having nystagmus so if i having ms and if my right ipsilateral mlf is affected i have a difficulty that is uh, my if i am looking to the right side my right eye having abducting eye having nystagmus and my left eye that is adducting eye having adduction difficulty that is ino this is very important area and uh, so if you read the literature here ino consists of impaired adduction of one eye due to the lesion in the ipsilateral mlf this is very important and prominent nystagmus is seen in the abducting eye so if i am looking to the right side my right eye which is the abducting eye having the nystagmus and the left eye adducting eye having difficulty in adduction if my right mlf is affected if my if i am having uh, ms multiple sclerosis and what are the other gaze disturbances which you see in ms is the horizontal gaze palsy and the one and off syndrome again what is one and off syndrome you remember one and off syndrome if i has ms if i has one and off syndrome my right eye will be like static it has no movement and my left eye is having only abduction so what is the only movement that is present if i have one and off syndrome my left eye abduction is the only movement that is present all other movements are affected in in, in simple terms i can say one and off syndrome is i am having ino with horizontal gaze palsy next another important eye disturbance you see in ms is pendular nystagmus again i am repeating the optic neuritis is one of the important symptom in case of multiple sclerosis usually optic neuritis is unilateral in case of ms optic neuritis is sequential and simultaneous in case of nmosd that means 
if the patient is having nmosd that is neuromyelitis optica spectrum disorder the patient has blurring of the vision in one eye immediately within few days or few months other is also affected whereas in case of ms only one eye is affected and in ms other important neuroophthalmological features are there is a horizontal gaze palsy there is one and off syndrome there is pendular nystagmus depending upon the presence of the plaque as i already mentioned the plaque can be seen anywhere in the entire white matter tracts in the cortex or in the brain stem or in the spinal cord again i show you the images so if you anybody having doubt at this area you can just uh, uh, send me in the chat uh, i can see i mean uh, if, if this area is understood uh, i can proceed to the further slides i can see anybody yes sir okay Yeah, I'm able to see the chart uh, area here. Aniga, I am audible. Yes, sir, you are audible. Please okay, okay, clear, fine. So this is the optic neuritis. So as I already mentioned, after the motor weakness, uh, optic neuritis and other complaints, the patient can have sensory symptoms. Patient patient can have ataxia, bladder dysfunction, constipation, cognitive dysfunction, fatigue, facial weakness. What I go? So. So sensory symptoms again. Patient complaints of uh, uh, vague sensory complaints like uh, paresthesia, numbness, the band-like sensation, depending upon the tract involved. And uh, ataxia is uh, secondary to the cerebellar. That is cerebellar dysfunction. You get ataxia. Next is the bladder complaint. More than ninety percent of the patients. Nigam, is it audible? Yes, sir, audible. Okay, fine. Uh, regarding the bladder dysfunction. More than 90% patients, uh, you get the bladder dysfunction, and constipation is also seen uh, in 30% patients. So I want to, again here I want to mention one MCQ. What is not seen in MS? Sir? So as predominantly it affects the entire white matter tracts anywhere in the brain, brainstem, spinal cord. What is not typically seen in MS? Sir? In the stem of the question, if you see the Parkinsonism, the motor aphasia. And the epilepsy, that is seizures, it is very unlikely in case of MS. Sir. So you don't see the extrapyramidal uh, system like affected, that is uh, Parkinsonism and the motor aphasia in the cognition, uh, motor aphasia in the language, and the another one is the epilepsy. So those are not seen. Regarding the motor symptoms, you will get the human type of weakness. As again, I, I mentioned about the optic neuritis. Regarding the sensory complaints, you get the numbness. Tingling, band-like sensation, depending upon the tract involved, and regarding the ataxia, again in the infratentorial, if you get the plaques in the cerebellum, you get the cerebellar ataxia and the scanning speech and the bladder dysfunction. Again in the bladder dysfunction, the patient may get the both storage complaints and the voiding complaints and the bladder dysfunction. Again is also secondary uh, to the whether the plaques are located in the at the level of cortex or at the level of spinal cord. Again, uh, cognitive dysfunction. He may get some memory impairment and some learning difficulties. Again, the fatigue is one also one of the predominant complaint uh, in case of uh, MS. Please don't write anything on the uh, uh, slides. Okay. Next is the Utov symptom. Again, this slide is very very important. This is uh, Utov symptom and Lehermet symptom. Utov symptom is the it's like a negative conduction block. And Lehermet symptom is the positive conduction. I mean, positive abnormality. What is Utov symptom? The unilateral visual blurring during hot shower or with the physical exercise. So what happens is the patients with multiple sclerosis they typically complains of uh, worsening of the symptoms on exposure to the hot shower on with physical exercise. That is called Utov symptom. This is secondary to the conduction block. So because of the conduction block, you get a hot uh, worsening of the symptoms. Next is the Lehermet symptom. Again, Lehermet symptom is the patient complains of uh, electric shock-like sensation on bending the neck. This is called a barber chair sign. It is also seen in vitamin B12 deficiency and cervical spondylosis. And next is the trigeminal neuralgia. What is specific, specific of trigeminal neuralgia in case of MS? Usually, trigeminal neuralgia is unilateral. But if at all, in a young patient that is less than 50 years, you see bilateral trigeminal neuralgia. It is classic of MS. And also, you get the objective evidence. So, Trigeminal neuralgia. Don't, don't, don't mention anything in slide. Uh, please don't Otherwise, write. Don't write anything, anything in slide. Otherwise, okay. I'll be removing you all. And uh, regarding the trigeminal neuralgia, trigeminal neuralgia is generally unilateral. But if the trigeminal neuralgia is bilateral, 
it is more in is more suggestive of ms and one more thing in trisomy neurology generally according to the modified falcon uh, sweet criteria there is no objective evidence of the sensory system so if you see in a typical trisomy neurology patient he may be having multiple sensory complaints but on the objective evidence there is no involvement but in case of the multiple sclerosis because of the demyelinating plaque affecting the root entry zone you get the objective evidence of the sensory system disturbance so that is typical of ms and one more thing is the facial myokemia again the facial twitchings you get is because of the plaque i mean the plaque uh, affecting the in the in the brain stem so these are the other complaints sir. so here i want to i want you to remember the utoff symptom and lehermet symptom uh, okay utoff symptom and lehermet symptom utoff symptom is very specific to ms don't see multiple i mean another disorder the utoff symptom that is the symptoms worsening with the hot shower or with the physical exercise but lehermet symptom that is the electric shock like sensation you may be seen with other disorders like vitamin b12 deficiency and cervical spondylosis next is the uh, criteria for the ms here i want to mention there are so many criteria originated from the last two decades initially we have schumacher's criteria poser's criteria the mcdonald's criteria which now, now we are using it was first there in 2001 and then it was revised in 2007 and 2010 you no need to remember but i want to mention i want to make you to remember this uh, mcdonald's criteria this is very simple uh, don't confuse by seeing this slide just uh, listen what i am saying so mcdonald's criteria see the first line that is here you need to remember only two words one is a dissemination in space another one is the dissemination in time what is dissemination in time that means the clinical attacker so first suppose i got a optic neuritis that is i got a visual blurring of the vision and i got partially relieved after a month again i got the weakness after one year i may get the bladder symptoms how you can fit the i mean it into the diagnostic criteria that means you need to have two clinical attacks that is dissemination in time i may get one clinical attack at one time again after one month there should be a space of one month so here the important point is can you tell once uh, you get uh, who is doing that please uh, uh, remove it uh, clear it please is, uh, okay uh, this is not the plague and who has done plague. that uh, snake must be also delete that so somebody ask you the uh, okay anyway i will uh, answer all the doubts at the end okay so that i can continue the lecture i will i will address this uh, doubt this is not the plaque this is the plaque that is the ms plaque which occurs because of the demyelination you get the plaques everywhere all the sim clinical symptoms which you are seeing are secondary to the ms plaques in the different areas okay so this is the mcdonald's criteria again i am repeating this is the most important part of the lecture you need to remember two sentences that is dissemination space dissemination time what is dissemination in space that is you get the plaques in different locations so for this criteria purpose they have chosen uh, uh, for this criteria we need to understand there are five important locations which you need to remember that is the periventricular area i will show in the further slides the images periventricular area juxtacortical area infratentorial area and in the spinal cord okay again i am repeating periventricular area juxtacortical area infratentorial that is the tentorium cerebelli which you read in anatomy separates the supratentorial compartment infratentorial compartment you get the ms plaques in the cerebellum that means infratentorial compartment so periventricular area juxtacortical area infratentorial that is in the cerebellum or in other infratentorial compartment and in the spinal cord out of these four now the new one they added the cortical area out of this five if you see plaques in more than two areas that is dissemination in space you are getting plaques in different areas next is the dissemination in time one uh, regarding the dissemination is time is regarding the clinical attacks so if you got the symptoms you need to remember each symptom should persist for more than 24 hours and each clinical attack should be separated from another clinical attack by 4 weeks here you need to remember each clinical attack should be present for more than 24 hours why they have mentioned it for more than 24 hours because the simple weakness sensory disturbances blurring of the vision can also be because of the transient ischemic attack which is usually less than 24 hours so here you need to remember the clinical attack should be more than 24 hours the each attack and the each attack is separated by duration of more than 4 weeks and in the mri evidence that is uh, which uh, there are five compartment i mean five areas where you see the plaques in the mri that is periventricular area juxtacortical area infratentorial area and in the spinal cord and in the 
cortical area. Out of these five, you need to have at least two. At least in two places, you need to have the mesplex. So if you see this slide, you just understand this first one. So the patient should be having more than two clinical attacks. Each clinical attack should be separated by four weeks, and each attack duration is more than 24 hours. And uh, the number of lesions with objective clinical evidence. That means the lesion should correlate with the clinical attack. That means the patient is having the plaque in the the plaque that is MS plaque in the cerebellum. The patient should be having a clinical correlate that is cerebellar ataxia. If the patient is having MS plaque in the spinal cord, so he should be having some paraparesis with bladder disturbances like that. So the lesion should correlate with the objective clinical evidence. And there is no additional data required. If you go further to the slides, additional criteria they have given CSF oligochronal bands. Again, I am repeating. If the clinical in the clinical question, if you see the CSF oligochronal bands, again it is seen in the in the demyelinating disorders. It is seen very commonly in the MS. And uh, here I want to add one more MCQ. What are the various disorders where oligochronal bands are seen in CSF? One is the syphilis. Another one is the subacute sclerosing panencephalitis. Another one is the Lyme's disease. So in the syphilis, Lyme's disease, subacute sclerosing panencephalitis, and MS. These are the four common disorders where you see oligochronal bands. So in the clinical question, if the if the if in the clinical criteria it is more than clinical attacks and the objective lesion evidence is more than two, and if you get the additional criteria that is the presence of CSF oligochronal bands, it is diagnostic of MS. Even if you don't have the additional criteria, this additional criteria is for the patients who do not fulfill this clinical attacks and the number of lesions. I think uh, now this slide makes the sense. This is very important. McDonald's criteria. McDonald's criteria is for the MS, multiple sclerosis. Okay. Uh, coming to the imaging. So now I will show. Sir, sir, one second. Can you please this, uh, uh, restart the share again? Uh, can can somebody remove the uh, uh, this scratches yes, sir, on the slide so that I can? Uh, yes, sir. Please restart restart the share again, sir. I can, I can explain. Uh, no, need to, no need to restart. Uh, Nigam, sir, you can uh, disable the annotations. It, uh, it is uh, on the top of the screen. Uh, uh, actually, in my iPad, it is not showing. That's why I'm having a problem. Uh, one minute. Disable annotations. Sir, yes, sir, disable that. I think this slide is... Uh, I think, Nigam, you can do it. Uh, disable. Okay, sir, I'm making... I'm making the host you vote again, it. sir, because in sir, my life, the host only can do it. Nigam, sir, please you do it. Sir, I made you host, you do. Because in my iPad, it is not showing at all anything. One minute. It's not showing it. Sir, at the top of the screen, you can see uh, one icon uh, disable the annotations for all the participants. Easy, but now it is not coming, I don't know. So anyway, you can okay. uh, restart the screen. You can uh, restart the okay, screen no sharing. Uh, just see the. Okay, I can I can describe you. As I already mentioned uh, regarding the uh, imaging features, that is uh, so. See in the on the left side of my screen. What is typical of MS? Involvement of temporal lobe. So if you see, this is the on the bottom of the side. This is the temporal lobe. So if you see the white color, that is hyperintensity. This is the demyelinating plaque. So involvement of the temporal lobe and the juxtacortical lesions. And the involvement of corpus callosum that is the blue slide so this is the ventricle and this is the corpus callosum uh, just follow my arrow this is the corpus callosum sorry one minute so sir can you make me host again please i will remove sir. that uh, one minute so this is the so i am are you able to see my arrow which i am pointing yes sir we can see but these uh, lines are disturbing it sir make nigam sir host one minute. Okay, I'll make him host. Okay. Pradeep. Yeah, I, I make you host. Okay, I made you host. Okay. Pra Hello, Pradeep. Yes. Yes, sir. Yes. I'm making you host. You remove that annotation because my option is not coming. Okay. Okay. So. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay, sir. Okay. Okay. For people who are listening, uh, I think, uh, are you able to follow me? I have just first shown the various inflammatory demyelinating disorders, the six inflammatory demyelinating disorders. And then I have mentioned the risk factors that is predominantly the Epstein-Barr virus and the vitamin D deficiency and the one HL association that is HLA-DRB1. And then I have shown the various clinical presentations. What is characteristic of MS? 
so if in the clinical vignette if somebody is saying the weakness is worsening with exercise and if the patient symptoms are worsening on exposure to the heat and uh, in the other data you have seen the csf oligoclonal bands and if the clinical uh, picture is showing the relapses that is he may have one attack in between he is normal and then he get another clinical attack and one more thing if all the clinical symptoms what happens in neurology is uh, we want to correlate everything to a focus that means we want to correlate correlate all the symptoms to one lesion but if the patient symptoms are not correlating to one lesion but if if they are um, pointing out to different lesion that means pathology is present in different areas there i think more of demyelinating disorder okay and uh, coming to the mcdonald's criteria as i already mentioned you need to remember patient should have two clinical attacks and each clinical attack should be having more than 24 hours duration and each clinical attack should be separated by more than 4 weeks and the additional criteria is presence of csf oligoclonal bands one more thing i forgot to say uh, see whenever you 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 uh, whenever the patient presents to the weakness for us uh, uh, paraparesis and some other symptoms after the imaging as a part of the routine evaluation after the clinical examination we do the csf for the collaborative evidence so what is specific in ms is in in ms you see only very uh, slight increase in the cell count and slight increase in the protein again if in the clinical vignette if the if it is showing the patient csf is showing more than 50 cells that is more than 50 cells it is unlikely of ms and again if the clinical vignette is showing the csf is having very huge amount of protein that is more than 100 mg again it is unlikely of ms what is characteristic of ms is patient is having mild increase in the cell count normally we can see in the csf 0 to 5 number of lymphocytes so in ms patients you see approximately 6 to 20 6 to 15 i mean 15 16 20 up to 20 any number more than 50 is unlikely of ms again any protein count more than 100 mg in csf is unlikely of ms these are all the pointers to find out of ms so these things only will help uh, if the patient is not having the typical picture imaging is not typical and the csf oligoclonal bands you don't see i mean in 90 percent cases you see but if you, in the other 10 percent cases if you don't see these things will matter okay uh, i think uh, nigam will you i think still uh, the annotations are coming yes sir uh, i am doing yes sir yes sir i am trying sir only in two minutes sir it will be removed okay okay fine okay and uh, now uh, in the in the revised uh, mcdonald's criteria i am again revising you need to remember two points one is dissemination in space dissemination in time dissemination in space means the ms flakes are located in the different places one is the periventricular area juxtaportical juxtaportical means just behind the cortex juxtaportical area and the infratentorial compartment and the spinal cord you can simply remember uh, with the mnemonic pics that is pics that is periventricular I for the infratentorial, C for the cortex. I mean, cortex and juxtacortex, and S is for the spinal cord. Okay, these are the areas where you see the flakes and dissemination in time. That is, that is based on the clinical symptoms. Sir. You need to have four weeks gap. One more thing, uh, that is, uh, uh, that is specific in the MS imaging is you look for the gadolinium enhanced MRI. What happens is in the MS pathogenesis, the T lymphocytes uh, will do the. I mean, will cause the blood brain barrier breach and these lymphocytes will enter into the central nervous system and they cause the inflammation demyelination so if you give the contrast that is the gadolinium will be enhancing in the active areas so based on the imaging features if the patient is having multiple lesions in the mri and if the patient is having both gadolinium enhanced and non enhanced that means enhancing lesion is the present attacks lesion non enhancing lesion is the previous attacks lesion based on that also you can say there is a dissemination in time. Okay. I think now you understood that dissemination in space and dissemination in time. Predominantly, dissemination in space is based on the different areas, the location of the plaques. Dissemination in time is based on the clinical picture. Again, based on the gadolinium enhancement, you can say that uh, you can say if the enhancing lesion is present, that is the recent onset, and the non-enhancing lesion is present, it is the older lesion. One more thing, whenever you see the MS lesions. You don't see much of edema or the midline shift. Okay, so there is a, there are variants which I mentioned uh, in the first slide. That is different variants of MS. That is the acute MS. That is Marburg variant, also called as tumefactive MS. That is here uh, the central demyelination will look like the tumor, but how will you separate it from the tumor again? That demyelination usually if there is a demyelination, there will be no surrounding edema. I mean there is no much edema and. Uh, 
there is uh, no much midline shift in that way you can differentiate whether it's a tumor or the demyelinating plaque and or a stroke one more thing here i want to say about regarding the stroke usually if you see a i mean uh, the white matter hyperintensity involving the corpus callosum that is again typical of ms you don't see the involvement of corpus callosum in case of strokes or other disorders so apart from this sir, classical hello. phylocations sorry to interrupt you, you in between sir uh, please share uh, your screen again once again okay fine yeah are you able to see my screen yes sir one minute yeah uh sir you can do one thing uh, at the top of, uh, at the top you can see view options view options and you can uh, request or remove the annotation so drawing will be disabled automatically okay view option anyway it is not showing now i can not teach okay yes sir i can continue okay sir okay fine so as i already mentioned this is again what i am mentioning okay. the typical of ms or juxtacortical periventricular and see this uh, second third point involvement of corpus callosum this blue arrow are you able to see the hyperintense lesion this is basically a, a coronal section of the brain uh, this is the flare picture because uh, what happens is we have normally we see the t1 t2 and the flare images t1 means the normal i mean the normal that is normal brain structures that is outer gray matter inner white matter here you see the white matter that is outer gray matter looks white and the inner white matter looks gray and here the csf is suppressed that is uh, uh, csf is suppressed that is here the flare sequence you see the hyperintense signal in the corpus callosum region so this hyperintense lesion in the corpus callosum is also is a very characteristic of ms you don't see in other disorders and you see the hyperintense lesion in the temporal lobe and you see the periventricular lesions which is towards the ventricle all these are typical of ms this is the image so you are you able to see the white matter lesions which are pointing towards the ventricle so this is the white matter lesion this is the white matter lesion this these are called all the dawson's fingers okay again this is the pons uh, this is the pons again you are able to see the white matter lesion white matter lesions so this is the infratentorial compartment so i have shown the periventricular region infratentorial compartment and uh, these are the dawson's fingers so if you read the what are dawson's fingers these are the oviad lesions perpendicular to the ventricles so these are the ventricles this is the lesion which is perpendicular to this ventricle these are dawson's fingers which are classical of ms these are the enhancing lesions and uh, multiple lesions adjacent to the ventricle so if you see in the second image you are able to see the multiple lesions adjacent to the ventricles and dawson's fingers are typical of ms these are the result because of see this uh, dawson's fingers occurs because of the perivenular demyelination again this is an mcq point dawson's fingers seen in ms there are the oviad lesions which are perpendicular towards the ventricles and uh, they occurs because of the perivenular demyelination so this is the another variant of ms tumefactive ms that is uh, acute ms which is the which i mentioned in the initial classification acute ms or marburg variant that is tumefactive ms if you are able to see here the tumor like lesion with uh, edema in the in this area this is uh, in the centrum so semi oval and in the fronto parietal region are you able to see the tumor like lesion but how can you say this is an ms here the edema is less and if you see there is no midline shift and the ventricles are also not collapsed so tumefactive ms is a variant of ms and also if you see the fourth image in this box that is the enhancement here if you see this is the lesion this is the open ring so open ring lesion is again characteristic of ms and uh, with less edema and no midline shift all these are the characteristic features of the demyelination as it looks like the tumor this is characteristic of tumefactive ms this is one of the variant of the ms usually what happens is these uh, tumefactive ms they clinically they do very bad i mean they progress very rapidly we can we can able to treat acutely but uh, they deteriorate very rapidly and next is the concentric sclerosis again this is the another type of ms what is characteristic of this sir? are you able to see here uh, in this uh, image in the axial section uh, are you able to see the hyperintense lesion and then the hypointense lesion like an onion peel appearance that is the concentrically this is in this variant of ms what happens is there is a demyelination and then the remyelination and then the demyelination remyelination because of all this you get the concentric uh, ring like open ring like enhancements again uh, uh, my arrow mark uh, 
okay so again you are able to see the open ring this ring is not complete okay this is the open ring enhancement this is again characteristic of mns and are you able to see the alternative hyper intense and hypo intense that is concentric sclerosis ballotype this is also characteristic this is characteristic of concentric sclerosis these are all the variants of the autoimmune inflammatory demyelinating disorders that is uh, concentric ballosclerosis type so re so regarding the investigations so i didn't mention the routine investigations we do the mri as i already mentioned there are different uh, modalities normally we do the gadolinium enhanced mri and then uh, csf we do to look for the csf pleocytosis that is a moderate increase in the cell count and moderate increase in the protein next is the biomarker again this is an mcq area neurofilament light chain this is the this mri is insensitive to the microscopical damage here i want to mention you that you can able to say it as an ms plaque that is the all all white matter hyperintensities are not ms plaques you can see in the small vessel disease you can see in leukodystrophies there are so many other white matter diseases which are ms mimics and sometimes what happens is the patient will have no symptoms and if you do the mri it looks like an uh, ms lesions so now there is a need for the identification of the biomarkers which will occurs positive i mean they are positive even before the symptoms and even before the radiological manifestations are positive so here the what is mcq is neurofilament light chain this is a biomarker for the neuronal damage in ms this image so if it, if it is like a pga type of question it can be seen in other degenerative diseases also so neurofilament light chain is a biomarker of neuronal damage in ms this neurofilament light chains can also be seen in other cns uh, degenerative disorders okay i am skipping this slide uh coming to the treatment aspects uh, i think uh, this 45 minutes over so i'll fastly rush to the treatment so in the last three decades we have seen very i mean this is the important slide so with this slide you can able to grasp the whole image how it was progressed so initially we have interferons and then we have the injectables like mitoxantron glatamerestate and uh, 2006 is the landmark year for ms that is natalizumab which has uh, revolutionized the treatment of ms but the one important thing is this natalizumab will cause again mcq area natalizumab will cause progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy because what happens is normally we have jc virus and uh, in the normal immunocompetent persons we don't i mean the antibodies will not do anything but in patients who are immuno i mean immunocompromised the patients who are having jc virus positivity that is anti jc virus antibodies it will call progressive multifocal leukoencephalopathy so that is an important side effect so this natalizumab the mechanism of action is uh, so uh, you know that multiple sclerosis is the inflammation which the t cells will cause a demyelination what happens is around surrounding the t cells we have the cell adhesion molecules that is integrins the alpha the specific integrin alpha 4 beta 1 integrin again is this this integrin will go to the will breach the blood brain barrier and it will cause the vessel damage by attaching to the vascular cell adhesion molecules what happens is this natalizumab will bind to this integrin so natalizumab will bind to the alpha 4 beta 1 integrin and it will prevent the further damage and this has a very highly efficacious drug and it will i mean in aggressive course of ms it will work wonderfully so this is an one of the landmark here and after that we have seen multiple oral drugs again till this time that is uh, till 2006 we have no oral drugs so we have interferons we have mitoxantron glatamerestate natalizumab and then after 2010 we got the oral drugs again here mcq area you need to remember three drugs for the oral, regarding oral drugs fingolimod dimethylfumarate and teriflunomide fingolimod dimethylfumarate and teriflunomide okay these are the three oral drugs and after that uh, uh, in different variants of ms all these drugs which we are studying now they are useful for the relapsing remitting form till 2018 we don't have any drug which will work for the progressive primary progressive ms in 2018 we have ocrelizumab that is uh, in 2018 that is again cd20 uh, ocrelizumab which will work for the primary progressive ms so uh, what are the mcqs that can be asked uh, regarding the treatment natalizumab acts against uh, alpha 4 beta 1 integrin natalizumab usually they give uh, in 300 mg iv once a month dose and uh, coming to the oral drugs we have fingolimod teriflunomide and dimethylfumarate and uh, regarding the glatamerestate this glatamerestate can be given in the pregnancy so in pregnant ladies what can be given in pregnant ladies glatamerestate can be given and interferons can be given okay and what is highly teratogenic is teriflunomide you can remember with uh, t for teratogenicity okay this is the again i just briefly explained regarding the treatment in further slides uh, you can see the other important points 
so this pegylate interferon uh, this interferons we have subcutaneous forms and intramuscular forms again in interferons important is we have three types of interferons interferon alpha interferon beta interferon gamma what is approved for msc is interferon beta again two things are approved interferon beta 1a and interferon beta 1b they are approved for the ms so remember interferon beta 1a and interferon beta 1b are approved for ms okay as i already mentioned dimethyl fumarate is a oral drug it is given 240 mg orally and uh, remember the pregnancy category is c so again these oral drugs are not efficacious in pregnancy okay and the mechanism of action is anti inflammatory and cytoprotective activities mediated by the neurofilament pathways okay all these drugs uh, will uh, mostly act uh, in the immune i mean in the immune medi mediation and again dimethyl fumarate here important is uh, side effect is progressive multifocal encephalopathy so what are the ms drugs which are prone to develop uh, progressive multifocal encephalopathy is uh, natalizumab and uh, another one is dimethyl fumarate so dimethyl fumarate and natalizumab will cause progressive multifocal encephalopathy okay uh teriflunomide and dimethyl fumarate fengolimo they are already mentioned these are the oral drugs which are used in ms i am skipping the slides uh again uh, these are the newer drugs elemtuzumab daclizumab and octrelizumab elemtuzumab and uh, daclizumab and uh, octrelizumab coming to the elemtuzumab here what is important elemtuzumab is elemtuzumab will act by binding to the cd52 molecule whereas uh, daclizumab will act by binding to the cd25 whereas octrelizumab will act by binding to the cd20 these are the important mcq areas and uh, daclizumab has been withdrawn because of the encephalitis so daclizumab is no more used so if i want to summarize the entire treatment i want to summarize the entire treatment treatment so just uh, see this slide interferon mitoxantron again this mitoxantron is also very efficacious drug that is uh, mitoxantron is basically if you remember it's a doxorub i mean uh, uh, doxorubicin analog it is also not used because of cardiotoxicity okay in the entire ms what is causing progressive multifocal encephalopathy natalizumab and dimethyl fumarate in these all ms drugs what are more cardiotoxic mitoxantron and one more drug is fingolimod okay that is a spingosin 1 analog that is a oral drug that is also cardiotoxic so that is the reason why before starting fingolimod uh they used they used to do the seri uh, they used to do the ecgs and also they used to do the fundus because the uh, fingolimod have a property of causing macular edema that is another important side effect so in the entire ms drugs what are oral drugs dimethyl fumarate teriflunomide and fingolimod in the oral drugs fingolimod will cause cardiotoxicity fingolimod will cause uh, macular edema and uh, teriflunomide causes steratogenicity and dimethyl fumarate causes progressive multifocal encephalopathy regarding the natalizumab that is the iv drug which is approved for the relapsing remitting form of ms natalizumab action is against uh, alpha 4 beta 1 integrins okay and uh, regarding the mechanism of action of fingolimod it is fingosin 1 analog regarding the newer drugs that is the uh, daclizumab and octrelizumab and elemtuzumab daclizumab is uh, against cd25 octrelizumab is against cd20 and elemtuzumab is against cd52 i hope uh, you are uh, somewhat clear regarding the medications sir again remember all these drugs are the immuno all these drugs have immunomodulatory properties that means all these drugs only work after the acute phase so if somebody ask you what is the treatment of acute treatment of ms is iv methylprednisolone okay any i mean even uh, acute treatment of nmosd that is iv methylprednisolone or plasmapheresis all the drugs which i have mentioned are having immunomodulatory properties they are used once the acute attack is suppressed okay i think uh, treatment uh, i think you are clear octrelizumab is the only drug which is approved for the primary progressive ms so as i already mentioned treatment of acute relapses iv methylprednisolone 1 g for 3 to 5 days and uh, second line we can use the plasma exchanges that is 5 to 7 exchanges each with each exchange you do 30 to 50 ml per kg this is the secondary progressive ms uh, secondary progressive also octrelizumab is used and these are the emerge, emerging therapies that is ofatumumab again this is against anti cd20 monoclonal antibody and uh, other emerging therapies uh, this uh, maybe you can read that is autologous stem cell transplant mesenchymal camel stem cell transplant and there are various uh, molecules uh, these are the emerging therapies used in the relapsing uh, remitting form of ms again this is uh, one important drug siponimod that is the uh, sphingosine 1 phosphate receptor modulator 
previous drug thingolimod uh, is a spingosine one analog again it is a cyclone mode it's a spingosine one phosphate receptor modulator so so now i think you understand the risk factors pathogenesis clinical features the revised uh, 2017 mcdonald's criteria most important thing is the dissemination space and dissemination time and the various uh, imaging uh, imaging features most important is the open ring enhancement and the locations that is periventricular juxtacortical infratentorial spinal cord and uh, coming to the treatment there are various treatment we have got initially the iv that is the uh, iv drugs that is injectables like uh, interferons later we got the mitoxandrone glatamerestate and then since uh, recently since 2010 we got the oral drugs that is pingolimod and terifenamide and dimethyl fumarate and for the acute phase that is acute treatment of msc either iv methylprednisolone or plasmapheresis now you can just uh, go through this clinical question this is very important a 30 year old male complains of leg weakness and paresthesias of arm and leg and 5 years before he had an episode of transient visual loss and on physical examination so the symptoms are he is having the first two two lines symptoms are he is having weakness he is having paresthesias that means the motor complaint sensory complaints and 5 uh, years before he is complaining of visual loss that is neuroophthalmological optic neuritis sir and on physical examination here the patient is having hyperreflexia that is umn that is he is describing the weakness is motor weakness is umn that is hyperreflexia bilateral babinski and cerebellar dysmetria that is the involvement of cerebellum with poor finger nose movement and when the patient is asked to look to the right side the left eye does not move so here they are describing the patient is asked to move to the right side and the left eye is not moving so if the patient is moving to the right side and the left eye is not moving that means the left eye is having adduction difficulty and the right eye is having that is the nystagmus so next line nystagmus is not in the abetting eye so just uh, observe me if the if i am if i am the patient if i am moving to the right side if if i am moving my hand to the right side that means my right eye is moving to the right side that is right eye is abducting left eye is adducting so what happens in uh, ms the patient is having ino that is internuclear ophthalmoplegia that means abducting eye is having nystagmus that is my right eye is having nystagmus and adducting eye that is adduction difficulty so there is an adduction difficulty and the right side abducting and nystagmus so here he is describing internuclear ophthalmoplegia that means the patient is having internuclear ophthalmoplegia and a more detailed history suggests you have gait difficulty that results spontaneously so he also has previous history that means some years back he is having some mild uh, weakness mild staggering of the gait mild falls which recovers spontaneously and he is also stable in between the episodes and uh, he typically complained of worsening of the symptoms and exposure to the heater that is he is complaining of utop symptom and he has no systemic symptoms of fever or weight loss and here the csf examination is showing the presence of oligoclonal bands so uh, why i make this question is i want you to understand what are all the typical features of ms so worsening of the i mean motor weakness predominantly umn which is worsened with exercise which is worsened on exposure to the heat and on the clinical examination he may have internuclear ophthalmoplegia he may have on examination that is the babinski that is the motor weakness secondary to the umn involvement one more point one more point if the demyelinating plaque affects the afferent that is sensory affect the patient may also have the um, flaccid weakness but the most important is the spasticity that is the spontaneous spasms are most important in case of ms okay and on the csf examination he may have oligoclonal bands and also the mild pleocytosis that is cell count between 6 to 20 and also slight increase in the protein these are all the characteristic features of ms so the option is the options are ms nmosd vitamin b12 deficiency syphilis and uh, systemic uh, lupus erythematosus so this is very clearly it is ms according to the mcdonald's criteria this is not nmo i mentioned uh, the optic disturbances are only unilateral usually what happens is nmo patient they have sequential simultaneous bilateral optic neuritis okay and one more thing if the patient wants to describe nmo they will give typically the anti aquaporin 4 antibodies okay now i i want you to read about the neuromyelitis optica criteria that is there is a wingerchuk's criteria there are other uh, important features that is the anti aquaporin 4 antibodies and also anti mog antibodies that is myelin oligodendrocyte antibodies and also this is not ms sir, because the csf oligoclonal bands are also not typically seen in nmosd this is typically seen in ms sir, okay 
vitamin B12 deficiency in syphilis. Syphilis again, I want to make sure the CSF oligoclonal bands are also seen in MS. I just made it an uh, very close options because I want you to remember CSF oligoclonal bands can be seen in MS, can be seen in syphilis, can be seen in Lyme's disease. Another one is SSP, that is uh, subacute sclerosing panencephalitis. These uh, MCQs can be asked in uh, PJ type of exams. I think I am finished now. Uh, I think uh, if you have any doubts, you can ask me. Okay, sir. I I will be unmuting all. Let's see if Digam, anyone is asking. Yes, sir. It was clear. Crystal clear, sir. I am unmuting all, sir. Oh, if any anyone is sir. having doubt, can ask to sir. Box once. So, if you have any doubts, sir, you can ask me. So is it clear, Nigam? Yes, sir. It was clear. So the participants can say if you have any doubts or you can ask me regarding the multiple sclerosis. So most important is uh, the uh, these uh, many questions are straightforward because there is so much uh, literature in MS. So I want you to read about the 2017 McDonald's criteria, various therapies. They will ask multiple questions on the uh, on the therapies sir. that is regarding the natalizumab, octalizumab, alemtuzumab. And the oral drugs, pingolimod, dimethyl fumarate, teriflonamide, and also risk factors, vitamin D deficiency, and HLA DRB1, and uh, other important risk factors. Okay. I think uh, if everybody is uh, having no doubts, I can end the so this lecture. Nigam, I think sir, no one is having doubt because no, I have unmuted all. We can end sir now. I can end. Yes sir. Okay. Stop recording. Stop share now. Yes, sir. Uh, you can stop directly. You can stop the recording. Stop video. Yes sir. Stop. Leave meeting. No, not leave meeting sir. Stop the recording first. Thank you sir. It was a great session sir. So if you have any doubts sir, you can ask me. Thank you for the session sir. It was very interactive and the slides were very awesome. Means the content was nice sir. Uh, with the pathogenesis and everything. Nigam, are you able to understand the lecture? Yes sir. It was clear sir. Because it was having all that. Uh, treatment part and uh, all the drugs and also clinical uh, clinical case was there so it was clear already okay i'm leaving the meeting okay sir you can stop the recording thank you sir thanks a lot thank you sir